Hey everyone, welcome to Yogaland's Yoga Teacher Companion. I'm your host, Jason Crandall. In every episode to date, we have talked about the more overtly physical components of practicing and teaching yoga. And obviously, the yoga practice, the yoga tradition, has a much broader set of dimensions, including a broad, in fact, a vast set of philosophical parameters. And so many teachers, including myself, many students, including myself, want to figure out a more efficient and honest and sincere and effective way of incorporating yoga philosophy into the asana environment. We want to incorporate yoga philosophy into teaching and we don't quite exactly know what to do. The other thing I want to acknowledge is, for me, there's a certain degree of I don't exactly know how to say it, but intimacy or nuance or even kind of insecurity and depth in talking about the philosophical parameters in a class as opposed to just saying, engage this, lengthen this. There's a certain rawness and vulnerability, I think, to communicate some of these dimensions um, because of their poignancy and I think because we don't want to. We don't want to do kind of a, a miscarriage of justice to the teachings of the yoga tradition. So a lot of us will just kind of backpedal and avoid it entirely. But so many people want to include these teachings, and so I think I can give you a fair amount of advice about how to uh, most honestly and skillfully incorporate uh, yoga philosophy into your teaching. And the first thing that I want to bring up, even before I kind of give you the tips, is I just want to tell you that it is not mandatory to teach yoga philosophy in your asana classes. It isn't. In fact, from Patanjali's worldview, um, so the Yoga Sutra attributed to Patanjali, from Patanjali's worldview, we have the concept of Swadhyaya. Um, now, Swadhyaya is translated in many different ways, but probably the most core traditional way is the study of texts. And that is separate from an asana practice. In fact, in his hierarchy, it, it kind of predates the asana practice. So my point on this is teaching yoga philosophy in a classroom, in an asana context, is valuable. You can do it. It's what we're gonna spend the majority of our conversation doing. But I don't want you to feel that it is an absolute mandatory component of an asana practice. It is an intrinsic part of practicing yoga, but it is not an intrinsic component of practicing an asana practice from 12 to one at Yoga Studio Sandusky, okay? So just know that as a yoga teacher, teaching and studying the yoga tradition, including the philosophical parameters, are really key. Now, do you have to actually overtly bring it into every class? No, because we're gonna see that there's other ways that we can share and teach this information. The other thing that I wanna bring up before I give you some tips about incorporating yoga philosophy is, I always want people to think about whether or not they are teaching yoga philosophy implicitly or explicitly in class, okay? So implicit means I'm not really telling you what 
Patanjali said, I'm not unpacking Pratipaksha uh, Bahavanam. I'm not unpacking telling everyone, hey, this class is about Satya, this class is about Ahimsa, you know, let this be our guidance. But instead, I can allow the experience of the practice itself lead us to an internal state of union, an internal state um, where we have a more conducive understanding of what is taught in the texts, okay? So when you teach yoga philosophy implicitly, that means you allow the experience and the practice of the yoga itself to leave an imprint that is bigger than just our physicality. And I think that the, the reason the yoga practice works so well is because I think that so many of the philosophical teachings of the yoga tradition are actually embedded into how we do what we do. So rather than saying, this is ahimsa, this is nonviolent, we just practice in a nonviolent way, okay? The other thing that we can do, which we're gonna talk more about, is teach yoga philosophy overtly or explicitly. This is when you spell it out a little bit more. So when you are teaching yoga philosophy implicitly, it is a, the philosophy is just an embedded function of having done the practice consistently and well over time. Explicitly means we spell it out a little bit more, okay? This is the scenario in which we're kind of giving a little bit more of a Dharma talk or we're talking about Patanjali or we're talking about some other sutra or some other shloka or some other context that we are kind of spelling out the cognitive or the philosophical or the spiritual worldview of the yoga tradition. And we're making this a little bit more, like I said, just overt to our students. So that's kind of these first three things that I want us to remember. Number one, you can absolutely incorporate yoga philosophy into your teaching, but you don't have to. Number two, when you incorporate yoga philosophy in your teaching, you might be a person that really spells it out. You might also be a person that doesn't really spell it out, but the way you teach and the way you conduct yourself and everything that informs how you are teaching and relating to your students carries on the teaching of the yoga tradition. It's a little bit like parenting, right? You don't necessarily always have to spell things out. You can, uh, but you can also just role model things in the way that you communicate and relate uh, to the people in your family, okay? So now let's talk a little bit more about teaching yoga philosophy and incorporating it more overtly or explicitly. Well, the first thing that I wanna suggest is that you consider other options and you consider opportunities that are beyond just drop-in classes. We're gonna to get to drop-in classes in a moment, but I'm gonna tell you straight up, I feel more comfortable and I feel more skillful and I feel more complete and comprehensive when I teach yoga philosophy, when it is a separate series, or when it is a separate blog post, or when it is a separate social media post, or when it is a separate podcast. 
when you teach yoga philosophy, when I teach yoga philosophy, or I teach some of the, what I think is, when I spell out some of the broader wisdom that I have gained as being a practitioner and studying life and studying these texts, I feel most comfortable doing it when like the entire event hinges on it. So a four-week series on asana and the sutras, right? So this is something that people do all the time and they do it really successfully as they teach a simple series. And that series can be based on Patanjali. That series can be based, based on the Upanishads. That series can be based on the Bhagavad Gita. That series could be based on other kind of philosophical, uh, spiritual milieu, okay? There's a lot of opportunities to do this, but one of the reasons that I like this, which I'm gonna talk about in a moment here, is that when you teach or when you incorporate yoga philosophy overtly in a drop-in class, you have to be brief. I'm, just, I'm gonna come back to that in a moment, but I'm just gonna be honest and I'm gonna give you a data point where you just have to be brief in order to be effective. But if you don't wanna be brief, if you wanna spend a little bit more time waxing poetic or breaking things down, it's nice to actually have a workshop that's based on ahimsa. It's nice to have a series based on Patanjali. It's nice to have a mini teacher training. It's nice to give yourself an opportunity to actually write about your life and your experience with the Upanishads or whatever it is. I just think that so many people overlook the easy opportunity of teaching and sharing this gut-level philosophical discourse. And if we just knew, teach a workshop on it, teach a series on it, do a blog post on it, create a podcast, interview somebody about yoga philosophy. Like there are many other environments to share these teachings other than 12 to one yoga flow, okay? So that's the first thing you really wanna consider. Now, let's say that you are incorporating this yoga philosophy into your drop-in classes, okay? The first thing that you want to consider, everyone, and this is so important, is you need to be brief. You need to be concise. And I'm gonna tell you, that's hard. Talking and educating and relating to people in a sincere, effective, poignant, and brief way is really hard, especially if you're trying to do so with yoga philosophy, because to be quite honest, a lot of yoga philosophy is, while it is serviceable and accessible, um, it is rooted in a cosmology and it is rooted in a metaphysics that is really nuanced and really subtle. And parsing the difference um, between this sutra and that sutra at the beginning of class is woefully difficult, okay? So you want to be brief. The other thing versus the data point I related to earlier is one of the things that you can see when you create a lot of online content is you can see 
where people spend the majority of their time with that content. So let's say I have yoga classes online and let's say over the years, tens of thousands of people have taken those classes. I can actually see some of the data to see what minutes have those people taken. And what I can tell you is this, a lot of students in mass, when they have the opportunity to, skip that long introductory narrative, <laughs> okay? They, when people are coming to an asana practice, they tend to want to get to the asana practice. That doesn't mean that you're working with like tone-deaf, vapid people that don't have philosophical, spiritual dimensions. It means they came to be in their body right away, not to listen to a discourse right away. So if you're going to include some conversation and you're going to talk through the philosophical dynamics to people in an asana practice, you, you want to do so in a brief way. Second point, which is immediately related to this, which is pick the right time in class to incorporate the teachings. And I do not think, this is just from my personal experience, just from my personal experience and seeing a lot of data on my classes. Um, I don't think the majority of students prefer to listen to conversations about yoga philosophy in an asana class at the beginning of class. They're much more inclined to listen to it at the end of class or towards the end of class. We have to remember this, everyone, the vast majority of our students are coming to our asana practice, they're coming to our yoga class from a position in which they were just sitting down. They were at work or they're working from home or something, we have such a sedentary life that most students, when they get on the mat in most contexts, they wanna engage their physicality overtly right away because they've been so unphysical, they've been so out of their body. So, I, so getting them to listen to a Dharma talk at the beginning of class, if it's more than 90 seconds, I think, is, I think it's, it's not meeting people where they are. And I think it's much more effective to incorporate yoga philosophy in the later half of class, right? Maybe towards the forward bends, right? You've gone through the arc of practice, you're kind of slowing, grounding, you're in that movement towards Shavasana or that movement towards seated meditation, those last few grounding, quiet poses. I think this is really, for me, as a student, as a teacher, the best opportunity by a mile to, to have a genuine conversation about some of these teachings. The next thing, which I, in a way, just said is be genuine. Be genuine. Share. Look, yoga is not about you, but it's your class. And the, and the teachings of the yoga tradition, they, they have to come through your lived experience, okay? So when you are sharing these things, when you're sharing some story or sutra or some wisdom, share it at very least through your own words, through your own language, okay? And we don't, it's, it, this is a really fine line, right? Because we don't want to, to dilute the teachings of the yoga tradition. However, the teachings of the yoga tradition, they're not a museum artifact, 
they're a living tradition. And they're living through us. They're living through us who are, who are continuing to study and continuing to practice. So when you teach any yoga philosophy, or especially when you just kind of share wisdom in class, you don't make it all about you, okay? You don't make it all about you, but use your own language. Use your own turn of phrase. You can share a story, but, but you wanna feel, your students want to feel like there's flesh and bone there, like there's lived experience there, like there's sincerity and it's genuine there. So try not to teach yoga philosophy in a way that is, that sounds like intellectually removed from a lived experience, okay? Then the final thing, which I'm just gonna say it, is just do it. Just don't hold yourself back. If you have inside a yearning to talk a little bit about ahimsa, satya, if you have some sort of yearning to share a story of the Bhagavad Gita or the Upanishads or something that is genuine to you, do it. Do it. Look, I will tell you this, is everyone gonna love it? No. But does everyone love every pose that you ever taught and every turn of phrase that you've ever taught and every music that you've selected or for me, the reality that I don't use music? Does everyone love every aspect of everyone's class? No, no one does. So don't let that hold you back, right? Don't let that hold you back. The other thing is for me, I am a very secular person. I'm a very ecumenical, secular person. So when I teach any philosophy, if I'm teaching philosophy, if I'm specifically teaching philosophy embedded in a course, I teach philosophy in the same way that an, ob an objective professor would teach a subject matter. But when I'm kind of trying to lace in yoga teachings or yoga wisdom or yoga philosophy in the flow of a class, that's where I make it more personal. And I just, I just do it. I just put it in there, okay? So if you have something inside that you're yearning to communicate that you wanna express in the context of teaching that is fair and relevant and honest and genuine, lay it out there. And it will resonate with the people that it resonates, just like the way you teach how to use the shoulders and down dog resonates with the people it resonates. And the people it doesn't resonate with, that's okay. That's completely okay. That's, that's a pretty big and substantial and important lesson in life, okay? So I think with all of these considerations, I'm hopeful that you'll feel a little bit more confident sharing philosophy or stepping back and saying, you know what? Maybe I'm gonna study and teach philosophy and, and present it to my students uh, in a different and complementary format.